I'm sure all of us could probably remember what we were doing in February. And I would imagine that you were probably a lot like this picture. You were busy doing a lot of things, right? Uh, you were busy with work, maybe with school, uh, just with life, uh, doing various things. And it seems like for a lot of people, we get super busy, right? There's not enough hours in the day, it seems like, for all the things that we have to do and all the tasks. It doesn't even matter whether you're working a job, whether you're at home, maybe there's a lot of things you have to do at home, or there's some things that we put on ourselves, a lot of things that we put on ourselves. And so you may be done with work, but then now you got to go home to your kids or to your wife or husband. And maybe you have little league or maybe you have other events that are going on. You got to cook dinner. You got to put the kids to sleep. Then you got stuff that you got to do then. And so it seems like there's so much going on in our everyday life. We tend to pile on so much in our everyday life. And so we become, again, too busy. But it's so interesting, especially looking back and, and, and being in the times that we are now. In February, we were so busy, but now a lot of us are sitting at home trying to figure out what in the world we're going to do, right? I see a lot of posts about like, man, I had so much going on, but now I'm like super bored. I don't know what to do, right? I've seen everything on Netflix. I've, you know, I've, uh, you know, stared at my family long enough. Like, what do I do now? And it seems like we are now in this state of not being as busy as we once were. Maybe for some of us, like me and Javon, we're, we're, we're still busy, right? We still have a lot of things to do, but for a lot of us, we're at home. We're not as busy anymore. And it's like, so what do we do now, right? Now that we're not as busy, what do we do now? And so it's encouraging to know that during this time, I've been seeing a lot of people posting about how much time they're able to spend in God's word, probably more than they have been able to do in the past. And that's awesome. That's amazing. But what I'm hoping, and, and, and probably the basis for my lesson this afternoon, what I'm hoping is that when we get back to our new normal, whatever that may be, I'm praying that we don't stay too busy for God. That we don't stay too busy for Jesus, that we don't be too busy, that we can't study God's word as much as we are right now. I hope that we don't get back to that being too busy and putting things, um, putting other important things before the most important the most important thing. So I hope that's what this lesson encourages you to do. And I hope that this continues in your life. I think that all of us can agree that everything that Jesus says is important. Everything that Jesus says is important. And so there is something that Jesus does teach on that I think sometimes we lessen its importance. And I don't think it's necessarily that we don't think it's important, but I think we lessen it because of the culture in which that we live in. And that's Jesus's teaching on fasting. Now, 
please don't think for a moment that I am saying that we are commanded to fast today. I don't, I don't buy that. I don't think that at all. But like I said, everything that Jesus taught was important. And so even the things that we're not necessarily commanded to do, we should take uh, into consideration and and finding application in it. So one of those things that we're not necessarily directly commanded to do, which is fasting, there is still a lesson behind this. And there's still something to consider in Jesus's teaching when it comes to fasting. And so that's what I want us to deal with. Now, just so we understand, fasting in its essence basically just means abstinence, uh, primarily when it came to eating. But it wasn't just, an, and, and I want this to be abundantly clear, Jesus was not talking about this from a standpoint of on a diet, right? Um, that's not the idea. The idea here is being able to focus on what's important. And I want us to really take it from that vantage point to be able to focus on what's important. And so during Jesus's ministry, he taught on fasting. You recall in Matthew chapter six, um, as he's speaking uh, in his, what we would call the Sermon on the Mount, as he's preaching to these primarily this Jewish audience, and even some of the Jewish elites during that time, uh, the religious elites, uh, he would teach on fasting and what to do when you fast. And you recall that there were three areas in which that he was teaching this broader concept, and that was don't do things for show. The Pharisees, the, the religious elites during their time, it wasn't just the Pharisees, it was a lot of different Jewish sects. Um, they were basically parading themselves and showing how good, how good of a child of God they were by demonstrating their prayers on the street corners and how sad they were when they were fasting and ha having the ashes on them and, and, and how much they were giving and they would toot a horn to let the world know, hey, look at me. I'm such a good Jew, right? So Jesus spends time to tell them, don't be haughty about your actions. Matter of fact, you should be doing them in secret. And so he even tells them about their fasting and that you shouldn't be going around and, you know, saying essentially, whoa, is me and I'm, I'm, I'm super um, sad and I'm showing that, man, the sadder I am, the more uh, the more prestige I'm getting with my fasting and I'm and I'm just demonstrating to people and look again how holy I am. And Jesus says, cut that out. no. It's not about how people, how people see you. It's how God sees you. And God doesn't want a haughty spirit. God does not like someone who parades their uh, so-called righteousness. One, none of us are righteous apart from God. We can't accomplish that. And two, it's not about, again, it's not about people. It's about our relationship with God. And so Jesus reminds them of that very truth. Even when it came to their fasting, they were parading themselves. And Jesus says, no, you should be doing these things in secret. So Jesus even taught on this concept of 
fasting. But not only did Jesus teach on it, but he also himself participated in it. Uh, of course, we uh, we uh, those of us who grew up in the church, we know Matthew four verses one through four. We know that this is Jesus in the wilderness. He's been led by the Spirit. He's been fasting for forty days and forty nights, and and Satan is in the wilderness with them, and he's tempting him to basically. Uh, basically challenging him and his deity and and basically trying to get him to basically cheapen his responsibilities, cheapen his role as king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, and so Satan tries to do this, but Jesus, of course, he does not give in to any of Satan's uh, devices. Uh, matter of fact, he, just in the beginning of this, he combats Satan with scripture and the beauty of this is he basically tells us just in verse 4 what really fasting is really all about, what it's connected to, and why God uh, wanted uh, his people to do so here, the Jewish people to do it, and why it was such a discipline during their time. And so I want you to look at this, of course, verses one through four. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So any of us would have been hungry if we were disciplining ourselves for that many days, right? He's completely human. Jesus is. And so he's hungry. He's tired probably along with that. Uh, so this was a a big deal for Satan. He he saw an opportunity because he understands how humans work, right? So verse three, then the tempter approached him and said, if you are the son of God, then tell these stones to become bread. You know, again, cheapen your uh, kingdomship, right? Uh, if you're really the son of God, if, if that's truly your identity, then then you can just do this right for yourself, right? He's asking Jesus to be selfish, right? But notice what Jesus says to him. It is written, quoting from the book of Deuteronomy, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, we would all be concerned after 40 days and 40 nights, we would be hungry. We would be concerned about food, right? And we would think that that's what sustains us and that's what he, uh, brings us joy and happiness and completeness. But Jesus says, no, it's not bread alone that does that. It's actually the very words that come from the mouth of God. What was Jesus focused on or what was the idea or understanding of, of fasting even during his day? It was that we would come to trust in the words of God, put our faith and put our wholeness in the words of God, not on food, not on anything else. But on the very words of God, because his words are the only thing that can bring us whole. His words are the only thing that can bring us true completeness. His words are the only thing that can bring us salvation. And so we shouldn't live by bread alone. We should be living on the very words 
of God. So that's essentially what fasting is able to do or it helps you to do. It helps you to focus on God. So I don't want you to, and there, there's another word in the in the New Testament that I want us to focus on. Um, and it, it it it's I believe directly or indirectly connected to the idea of fasting, but it's not the same word that we see in the in the Greek. But it's a word that I think that we have trouble with. And again, it connects us back to the idea that. Uh, in our culture today, fasting is not necessarily something popular, right? We live in a society that we love to have excess of everything, right? We love to have a lot of food. We love to have a lot of clothing. We like to have big homes. And so we're, we're, we're in a culture of excess. And, and I don't think that's just normal only for our culture in today's culture. I think it was even a problem. Uh, you can go all the way back to the beginning. It was all, it's always a problem, but it's definitely a problem in today's culture. And so we don't really like the idea of fasting, right? We, we don't like to think that we should even dive into it because again, our culture says else, uh, says something completely different. But the word that I think comes into play of why this is such a problem for us is because we're not very good at self-control. We're not very good at self-control. And I think what fasting or the idea of fasting does, it brings people to, again, completely trusting in God and focusing on God. And I think when that happens, then we are truly able to have self-control. Now, of course, we understand that self-control is definitely a biblical concept. It's all throughout the Bible. It's all throughout, especially the New Testament. I want to bring up some passages that deal with that or this understanding of self-control. Um, self-control, by the way, and the reason why I think it's, a, a, it's connected to this idea of fasting, um, again, we're not necessarily commanded to fast, um, giving up food, right, for a certain period of time. But I want you to think about this from a sensual appetite idea. And that's why I believe self-control is uh, plays a factor here. The, the definition is of self-control is the virtue of one who masters his or her desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites. Why would self-control be so important? Because when we have self-control, we are able to be more like our king. We are able to be more like God, not from God's abilities, but from God's character, which he commands us all to have. So when we have self-control, we essentially have God's character. We have God's character. So from that standpoint, I think it plays a role in this understanding of what it means to focus in on what God wants us to to do. So in Acts 24, we see Paul is preaching a gospel message to a man named Felix. Um, Felix is uh, a, uh, uh, 
he's an official uh, government leader. And so he, um, of course, Paul has been arrested and he's on trial and he's basically uh, bringing to Felix and to others um, that he's innocent. And the only thing that he's guilty of is preaching the me a message from God. And so Paul as Felix and others are listening to Paul's message, Paul is preaching on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. That's from verse 24. And so part of that message was, verse 25, self-control. Part of that message of faith in Christ Jesus had to deal with self-control control. We also note in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 through 23, we note that part of self-control is having the fruit of the Spirit, having the very character of God, uh, his character being love, his character being of joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things because, again, these are the very characteristics of God. It's the very characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. So self-control is so important. But again, in the culture in which we live in, I think it's very difficult because we're being told in society today to not have self-control. Be busy doing you, right? YOLO, you only live once, right? So the idea of self-control is completely foreign to the society that we are currently living in today. Second Peter chapter 1, also Peter deals with this very concept in verses 5 through 7 as he's telling them to add to their faith or to supplement their faith. And he notes goodness and with goodness, knowledge. And with knowledge, he says self-control. So self-control is such an important thing in the life of a Christian. And I think, again, that when you look and study the idea of fasting, that's essentially, I believe, the idea that that uh, the basis of why they were fasting, it's to remind them or for them to be able to focus on having the very characteristics, having the knowledge and the relationship with God. So it's such an important topic in the Bible. And again, every word that Jesus speaks is important and we ought to take advantage and and pay attention to what Jesus teaches and so fasting is no different especially if we're thinking about it from the standpoint of one having self-control so one can focus in on God of course the question again comes up all the time should we should we fast um, again, I'm not promoting or saying at all that we are commanded or we have a direct command to fast. I probably should from a diet point. Maybe I should be fasting somewhat. Um, but here's the thing I do want you to consider. I'm not naive in, uh, to think that it wasn't something that the first century church did do. 
um, I don't take it from the standpoint that this is a direct command, but more of maybe a discipline that the first century church still uh, did to some degree. But as the church changed, the idea of fasting or the practice of fasting wasn't as prevalent as it was during the first century. But just some passages for you to know, Acts 13 verses 1 through 3, um, we do have um, the disciples here fasting, uh, Acts uh, 14, we also have disciples fasting, The the uh, I believe in Acts 14, as they are, um, I think, the, um, actually, let me let me back up here for just a moment. Right, because I think I, I always get them uh, mixed up. Acts 13, um, they are fasting over um, Paul and Barnabas being sent off. They're praying and they're fasting before they send Barnabas and Paul off to do ministry. Okay, so that's Acts 13. But then in Acts 14, you have them as as Paul and Barnabas are church planting. You have Paul basically appointing elders in these churches that are being planted or the elders are being um, put in place. And part of that, um, as they're um, bringing these elders in, they are praying and fasting over these elders. Uh, and so it was something that the first century church did participate in. But again, as you read throughout the history and even some of what we would call non-canon writings, uh, fasting was not necessarily a cultural thing that continued, but it was something that they did in the first century. But again, I don't want you to take it from the vantage point of that's what we're commanded to do. But rather from the vantage point in Luke chapter 10, you see the same thing going on, fasting being practiced. But I want you to really ask yourself this question. Do we spend enough time with Jesus? Do we spend enough time with God? Do we spend enough time in his word? And do we spend enough time in prayer and communication with him? And do we even spend enough time in fellowship with his family? You know, I think these are valid questions in dealing with this understanding or idea of, again, what really matters and being able to focus in on that. And I think that's what fasting was supposed to do, was supposed to help them to focus in. And part of that had to deal with having that self-control in order to focus. And it is a fruit of the Spirit of God. And so, again, do we spend enough time with Jesus or are we, again, just too busy? I want to encourage you, as right now, you have a golden opportunity to Spend a lot of time with God, with his word, uh, and even uh, with your family. I want you to think about um, when we get out of this period, because eventually we will get out of this period and we'll get into a new normal. Will we become again too busy for God? Will we again not have the right self-control in order to then focus in on God, his word, and our relationship with him? So, again, 
I tell you this, true disciples spend time with Jesus. True disciples spend time with Jesus. The question remains, is that you? Do you spend enough time with God? Do you focus on really what matters? And that is the very words of God.